So what I wanted, what I got into last week, we're going to do a bit of a review, and then we're going to um, get into a little bit of new stuff. But it's it's interesting, you know. They they say that repetition is the key to learning, right? And it's interesting of how you can hear a message one time and you're like pick up certain nuggets of it, but if you surveyed a crowd in a meeting and say, what did you, what was he talking about today? You might get like, if you survey like 40 people, you might get about 25 different answers. You know what I mean? Well, this really hit me, that really hit me, that really hit me. And so as a, as a teacher of the word, I mean, we've been instructed in this for years saying, you know what, don't, don't, don't be shy to repeat, you know, and to, to share it again, to share it again, share it again. And so we're going we're gonna to do a bit of review, but where we want to go in this, we're, gonna, we're kind of in a series here, where we're going to go, we're, we're, we talked last week about the covenant, the agreement that God has with us, and we talked particularly about the old covenant, and we're going to go through a bit of that today, then we're going to get into the new covenant a little bit, but the purpose of what I want to get us into is I want to get us into the promises, okay? So we looked last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 12, we looked where, and, and I'm not sure if you read it throughout the week, but I'd encourage you to, when you get stuff here on a Sunday morning, take it throughout the week then and mull it over and go through it again and read through it again. And when you, when you get this, first of all, okay, so in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and he gives him this ridiculous promise. Like Keith said, the Lord was saying this morning through him, he said, you know, there are, there, there's a destiny. God formed us. He knew our destiny before he created us or we manifested in the earth. And there's a destiny that God wants you to discover. And you can discover it. Josh came to me and shared a word. And he talked about expectation. And he talked about that God was challenging us. Well, why don't you, why don't you just share it, Josh, if you don't mind. He was challenging us to almost like Raise our expectation to match what his expectation is in you. Is that kind of a summary? Yeah, and then, oh, Jesus, loud. Uh, yeah, so that's one half of it. In the beginning, something I didn't share with you is that the problem with communication isn't on God's end. It's on our end. And so if there's, if there's something in the way, like that's, we have a responsibility to, to know what the Spirit is is interceding for and so yeah we have a we have a responsibility on our end as well that's good um we know this we i've said it before a lot of times it's easy for us to believe in promises for other people it's so easy to see somebody like can man god's got a, such a plan for your life i see this i see that da, 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 da. and just as god reveals that to me or someone that you know, it's like God reveals something and you're so excited for the other person because it's like, yeah, this is amazing. And yet, when it comes to God speaking to you personally, a lot of times it's like, I find it easier to believe for other people than I do for me. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? So God comes to Abram here and he says, you have no idea what I have in store for you, but it is flipping amazing. And he comes and he brings this word to him. And the, the purpose of this series is that we would discover what the words are that God has over us, what the future looks like, but there are some steps that we need to get established, foundational beliefs that we need to have anchored in our spirits so that we can actually believe what God says, okay? So when, when, when he comes to Abram here, you can read it in Genesis 12. So we're talking about covenant, understanding our agreement with God. Hey, Brian. 
Come on. Uh, so covenant, we talked about this. Covenant is an oath, a pledge, convention, promise, agreement of two or more parties agreeing to carry out certain vows that are agreed upon. Out of this covenant, then, loyalty is birthed between the two parties. So Abram understood covenant. His, it wasn't foreign to him. It, it was, it was, he was familiar with it. Even though he wasn't in relationship with God yet, in their culture, they already knew what covenant was. And so God comes and he's like, I'm going to speak your language to you. You understand this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter into a covenant with you. Because it says there, I think it's like in verse 8 or somewhere. Um, no, it's fast forward, fast forward life. Yeah, in verse number... Uh, in verse number 8, chapter 15. So then we talked about, we talked about uh, Genesis 15 where Abraham has this vision and the Lord starts to show him things. And in this vision, it's a whole vision of the covenant process. It's a whole vision of this covenant process. And, and he says, but how shall I know that I shall inherit it? And then in verse 9, he gets into this process of entering into covenant and he shows him this covenant process. And um, it's interesting because it's, it's revelation. He, he receives this whole covenant promise from the Lord by revelation. And if you're going to discover what God has for you, if I'm going to discover what God has for me, I need to understand, I, I need to get it by revelation. You know, It's like I can read promises in the Bible, but when, when it's revealed to me and I'm like, whoa, and it, like, it's like the penny drops and it's like, wow, this is actually for me. Ah. You know those moments? Don't you just love those moments? Sometimes those moments come through people prophetically sharing a word with you, right? That's why we love the prophetic word of God, the rhema, the now word of God. And, and other times it's like you're reading in the Bible and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is amazing. That's for me. I shared last week, Hebrews 11.6, when the light came on for me, because I, was, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a household, great godly you know, household, believing, Bible-believing parents and everything else, but for some reason there was a lie that was sown in somewhere along the line that it was, it was good to be poor. It was like your, your, um, um, the lie would be that you know, it's, it's, it's holier if you're, if you're poor and, and, you know, you don't, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And they would, they would, things like this would be quoted, um, money's the root of all evil. Well, that's a complete misinterpretation, mistranslation, a misspeaking of the actual verse. It says the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. And I discovered that a lot of people that don't have money love money. Because a poverty mindset is a love of money. Really? A poverty mindset is a love of money. Because we're so focused on not having enough, or I, I don't have enough for that. And the first thing out of our mouth is, when, when it comes to something, whether it be a child ask you for it, or your, your kid or something, or, or a situation where you see something, and man, that would be really good, that would really be a blessing. The first thought might be, well, I, I just, there's no way I can afford that. Well, if you understand your covenant, your language will change. It'll really change. And so where I want to get us, I want to get us to a place where as a, our culture is at Catch a Fire Winnipeg is that of a faith in our covenant and in the agreement that we have with Almighty God. Ooh. So it's going to take some time. We'll see how it goes. And it's going to, we're going to, you know, 
see where it goes over the weeks, but to get us to that place so that we start believing in the God that believes in us. That's a good... <laughs> that's a good little one-liner. Write it down. Yeah. All right. So, um, Genesis 15, you know, verse 80 says, How will I know this? And then it says, On that day the Lord, verse 18, made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given you this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Okay, and he talks about, you can read that there, the promise. And it's, it's important that you're familiar with the promise. One of the things, one of the promises that, that Abram gets is that you're going to be the father of many nations. And in fact, all people, all peoples will be blessed through you. So look at your neighbor and say, that word is for you. That's for you. That means that through me, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And yet some of us have a hard time believing for blessing for ourselves. And, I, and so I shared last week, Hebrews 11.6, where the light came on to me, and, it, and it, says, it says, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. You must first believe that he exists. And I was okay with that one. And then it says, and you must, be, you must know that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that was the part I had a problem with. I didn't really, I was like, okay, I, I believe God exists, but he's, he's a rewarder? But it, the penny dropped for me by revelation. It's like, wow. And suddenly my, my vocabulary started to change because I started believing God for some of these promises. Not only does he exist, but he rewards those who seek him. Just nudge your neighbor and say he's talking to you. So in this process, we talked about this. There was a discussion period that took place um, as people would enter into, into a covenant with one another. They're, they're, they'd discuss and they'd make vows to one another. And a good place to start with a covenant discussion period is Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses. And even later on, it's, you know, it's, it's all right too. But it, basically, the first 14 verses are all these blessings that will come upon you. All these blessings, you know, you're going to be the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. Everything you put your hand to will be blessed. Like he goes on and on and on and on if you obey the word of the Lord. And then there are consequences of, of uh, broken covenant. What happens then if you break the covenant? And so there's this, there's this whole process there, Deuteronomy 28. Then there's this part here, and we read it. You can read about it in Genesis 15. There was the blood, the, the cutting of the flesh or the animal sacrifice so they would split the animal in two equal halves, and there was blood that was between, between the two halves, and there was a ceremonial um, sacrifice that was taking place. And we know in Old Covenant terms and obligations to the law, Old Covenant was that we would have to sacrifice animals to get the remission of sin, right, to, to, to receive that. And so there was always a duty on, on man's part all through Old Covenant terms, there was always a duty on man's part to do something, to receive something, okay? All right. Let's make sure we're... Then there was this. There was this exchange of coats. And so what would happen as they enter into covenant, they would break, they, they would have the sacrifice. Then they would exchange coats. So the two parties would, would exchange coats. They'd say, here, you're going to have my coat and I'm going to have your coat. So what would happen would be um, as as somebody would see you wherever you were, and in this culture, it's a common thing, 
they would notice that you're wearing the coat of someone else. But that coat represented identity, it represented authority, it represented so many things. In, in essence, the coat, like look at the story of Joseph, the coat that he got was this coat of many colors, which was a coat of blessing. It was like his father was saying to him, I'm going to give you this coat because you're blessed and highly favored. And, and people are going to see that and they're going to know that you're blessed and highly favored. Even though in the natural it wasn't that, that way, but you know the story, his brothers in their orphan hearts were jealous and they got angry with him. And so then they, they, they go out and they're hatch this plan, they're going to kill him, no we can't do that, let's just get rid of him, make it look like we killed him, but it was this, it was this coat that gave him identity of, of what God had for him, and we talked about it how when we come into relationship with Jesus, he takes our, he takes our, our spirit or our cloak of heaviness, and, he, and he, he gives us the oil of joy, right, he gives us garments of salvation, he gives us robes of righteousness. He gives us all these good things. So these coats that we wear, and it's interesting because obviously you're going to enter into covenant over time. People would enter into covenant with different people and that sort of thing. So they're not always wearing the coats. It's not like you wear all the coats of covenant at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're, going, you're going somewhere and you've got all these coats on. You're in the Middle Eastern culture. It's like hot out and you've got all these coats on. That would be a little bit much, wouldn't it? However what would happen is when they go into an area, say they were going into a hostile area, uh, I've used this illustration before, Ken's a warrior, I'm a farmer. I've got a problem because the people in my life, um, enemies will come into my life, armies will come in, they'll steal my crops because they need food for the army. There's, I'm being robbed from and I'm being taken advantage of because I'm a farmer, I'm not a warrior. And so what I would do then is I would enter into covenant with a warrior so that we would agree with one another that everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. So in the day that I need protection and I need a warrior, I don't have to be a warrior because I have a warrior in my life. See that? He needs food for his family, food for his armies. Well, I'm good at that. I can grow lots of good crops. So when he needs food for his family, he comes to me, and I'm able to provide for him the thing that he doesn't have. You see, this whole picture is actually beyond just covenant with God, but it's about covenant relationships within the body of Christ. And so, so, then, so the next time the, next time the, the enemy comes in, and this, this raiding party comes in, they're going to raid my crops, they're going to take all my food, and I'm going to be whatever. What I'll do then is I'll take the coat, I'll take his coat, his warrior coat, and I'll put that on. I don't need to fight any battles, I just need to wear the coat. So I wear the coat, and suddenly when the invading uh, uh, raiding party comes in, they look at me and they see, hey, that's, that's Ken's coat, wait a minute, he's entered into covenant with the warrior tribe, so now... If I'm coming against him, he has all of Ken's resources of warriorism to come behind. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So what happens is, in, in life, then make it real, like with, with our relationship with the Lord, it says that when we come to Christ, he, he clothes us with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. And I shared this last week. You know when you get to that point where you're, you're like, man, I love this promise that you have for me, Lord, but I'm just not unworthy. I'm not worthy. I'm actually unworthy. I don't deserve that. Um, I messed up. And we start focusing on our faults, and we start focusing on our sin, we start focusing on all these things. 
shame, guilt, all that kind of stuff. When you're living in that pattern, you're not wearing your robe of righteousness. Because the robe of righteousness says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So what that means is that every promise he has for me, the promise for the righteous, the righteous shall shall flourish. There's one promise. That means that that's the robe I need to be wearing. So instead of, it's, it's like this. It's like instead of trying to fight against stuff and strive against things, it's as simple as putting on a coat. Because your coat was your identity. So if you're struggling with an area in your life where you can't, you can't believe God for the promise that he has, you need to put the right clothes on. I said last week, dress for the part. So, so the question is, what coat are you wearing this morning? So there was this exchange of coats that would take place. And then it went on from there. There was an exchange of weapons that would take place. And I shared the story last week about the... Um, David Livingston was out on missions, one of the first missionaries really to Africa that, you know, of the more modern world. This is uh, uh, centuries ago, but he goes out and he goes into um, Africa and there's not word from him for, for, for months and months and months and so they're concerned about him and somewhere along the line though, he, he encountered this cannibalistic tribe and his friends had a, word, had a word from the Lord. He said, why don't you enter into covenant with the chief of this tribe and if you enter into covenant with him, I think it'll go well for us. So he made a covenant. They went through this process. And one of the things that this chief did is he gave him the, the spear of, of um, his, his spear, this prized spear. And so they went in. I'm sorry. I, 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 let me back up the bus really quickly. It was the party that went out to find David Livingston, okay? They went there and they encountered these people and stuff. And the guy says, why don't you go and get it? So they enter into covenant. He gets a spear. So they walked out of there. And they carried on, they weren't eaten, praise the Lord, and they carried on through there, and they encountered more and more tribes like this that were cannibalistic, and they, they're known to eat people, and hey, there's some white meat, you know? And they went in there, and to this next tribe, the next time they came upon a tribe, um, they said, get out the spear. So he took the spear out, and he just took the spear out, and he held it, and the whole tribe that was ready to eat them, they bowed down and they started to honor him and, and, and worship him, as it were. And uh, they realized something, that when that other tribe saw the spear that they were carrying, they realized that he was in covenant with that other tribe. And so he knew that he would be protected. Now, think about that spiritually for a minute. It says in Deuteronomy 28, it says that your enemy will come to you in one direction, but he will flee in seven directions. Think about this. If we really, really started living in the revelation of our covenant with God, sickness tries to come upon us. Infirmity. Poverty. Broken relationships. Like difficulties and that sort of thing. Like you you fill in the blank to whatever it might be. Think about it. If we walked in the revelation of the covenant that we have, it would be as simple as just holding up the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? Like, really, covenant, covenant takes striving out of the equation, and it even gets better. I mean, old covenant, there was like this, you must do this, you must do that. There was this whole thing. But basically, the, the exchange of weapons, it also, it also means that I'm willing to defend you. Ha, <laughs> ha, wow. <laughs> 
Let's just talk about something for a minute. Okay, let's do that. You're at work, and um, there's some turmoil at work, and, you know, somebody comes up to you and, and uh, says, oh, did, you, did you hear this? You know, what, you know what the boss is doing now? Blah, 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 blah. And they start, you know, ragging on the boss and how, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. Well, that's a good time then. Instead of, instead of engaging in that, that's a good time actually to show your weapon. Say, actually, I'm in covenant with them. And so when you're speaking against them, you're speaking against me. So just hush. Think about how many futile arguments or issues of dissension or, you know, gossip, murmuring, that kind of stuff. Think about how many things would, would just go if we started living out of covenant. With God, number one, but with one another. Like, if you think about it, you're not going to, like, think about this for a minute. Husbands and wives, you'll understand this. If someone comes up to you and starts just ragging on your wife or ragging on your husband, it's like, ah, this and that. Well, people know automatically. I'm, people aren't going to come to Mel and start just saying, your husband's unbelievable. I can't believe your husband, da, 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 Because they know we're in covenant. She's my defender. I'm her defender. You see that? Now imagine if we took this whole covenant idea to the level, so we got God, we've got our relationship like this. What if we took it to the body of Christ? Never mind just catch a fire Winnipeg. What if we took it to the greater body of Christ? Where someone starts talking about someone from another church or leadership in another church. Oh, I just can't believe that. They're just eh, like this. Hey, 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 hold the phone here. We're in covenant together. We're on the same team here. How fast would that just go whoosh and settle the voice of the enemy? Just shut the voice of the enemy. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Wow. All right, so there was the, there was the exchange of coats. There was the exchange of weapons. This was cool, though. Then they would do this. They would exchange wealth. There was, a, there was an exchange of wealth. So I'd enter into covenant. Ken left, but he's still in covenant with me. But I'd, I'd enter into covenant with Eric, and I would give him some of my prized possessions, some of my wealth, and he would give me some of his prized possessions, his wealth. So in other words, you're saying, um, listen, you're not alone. I'm in this with you, and um, what's mine is yours. If you're in need, notice in the early church in Acts, it says that they brought all their possessions together and there was not one who had need among them because they brought all their possessions together and distributed as, as whoever needed whatever, right? And so there's this whole thing, there's this, this, this exchange of, of wealth and when you take it now outside the context of just re personally, relationally like this, read Deuteronomy 28 and put your name all over that. I'll just do a little test. What would you rather have? Would you, at the end of the year, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a $5,000 tax bill from the government or a $50,000 tax bill from the government? What would you rather have? Your thinking's wrong. No, yeah, none. I would rather have a $50,000 bill because if I have a $50,000 bill, it means that I made so much more money because you're taxed according to what you make. So you need to change your mind. Your mindset needs to change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when I thought that, I thought, well, yeah, I'd sooner have a five. 
actually I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 I would sooner have a $50,000 tax bill. Because it's according to, it's the proportion of what you've, you see? So, so our mindset, so this whole thing here when you read in Deuteronomy 28 is just one of the examples. All these things, I'm going to bless you when you come in, I'm going to bless you when you go out, I'm going to bless your storehouse, I'm going to bless your kneading trough, I'm going to bless your, your barns, I'm going to bless your livestock, I'm going to bless the fruit of your root, womb and the fruit of the loom. <laughs> I'm, going <to> bless, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to bless the fruit of, your, of whatever you put your hand to. So those kind of things, when you hear that, what happens when you enter into covenant, you receive the wealth from the other person and you give them something that's dear and valuable to you. There's an exchange that takes place. Well, when I enter into covenant with God, as he was saying here in Genesis, remember this is old covenant, he's saying, Abram, Abram, I'm entering into covenant with you. That means that all of my supply is available to you. And that's where I want to go with this series. I want to get to the point where we start believing and have solid foundation to believe the God of the impossible for what would be impossible. You see? (laughs) We could stop right there. We could just stop right there. You could chew on that for months and months and months. Lord, there's an exchange that you've got for us. It says that, You'll provide for me, not according to my need, but according to your riches and glory. Wow. That's a mind bender. We, we think, we, we believe for what we need right now, this, this breakthrough moment. Oh, I'm really, dis, you know, hey, we got this bill to pay. Oh, thank you, Jesus, you came through. Boom, we could pay the bill. Great, that's awesome. When God's sitting there and he's going, guys, 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 I don't want to provide for you just according to your need. I want to provide for you according to the riches that I have. And you haven't even tapped into that yet. It's time, when you understand covenant, you'll start writing checks in proportion to your faith. And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about just your life, your whole life. You'll be believing for things way bigger than you can actually see in front of you right now. Oh, that's pretty good. So then there's a walk of blood where they'd meet in the middle, in the middle of this. It was a blood covenant. They'd walk into the middle, the two halves, there's lots of blood. They'd meet, they'd share a little bit more back and forth. They'd recite a few more uh, commitments to one another in the blood. The, the, the covenant was always in the blood. These covenants were always in the blood. Nudge your neighbor and say, it's in the blood. All right. And then there was this blood grip where, where they would do this. And at that point then they would cut themselves oftentimes on the fleshy part of the thumb right here, and the muscle there, they'd, they'd cut themselves, and then they'd, they'd clasp hands together, and there'd be, a, there'd be a, a mingling of the blood, you know? And they'd do this like this, and then, and then oftentimes, even in later cultures, what they would do is they'd put gunpowder in that wound when it was cut open and flayed like that. They'd put gunpowder in it so that when it healed up, there was a black mark like this on their hand. And so that was another covenant symbol. When, when you'd see someone from far off, you'd greet them and you'd wave and you'd show the covenant symbol. You, they, you'd show them that you're a man under covenant or a woman under covenant because they could see the mark. When we worship, 
Why do we lift holy hands? Paul instructs us to lift holy hands and pray when we worship. Why, why do we lift our hands? Yeah, it's a sign of surrender. But a lot of times when I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring to the Lord, I'm showing him, I'm reminding him of the covenant that I have with him. That's why worship is such a powerful weapon. You're, you're in, the, in the process of worship, you're reminding God of his covenant with you. You need healing in your body? Worship into your healing. You need breakthrough in your family? Worship into your, into your breakthrough. You need, you need a breakthrough relationally, whatever it might be? Worship into it. Just worship into it. Worship. How did Moses win the battle? What happened? He's, he's, he's there and his hands are growing weary. What happened? Okay, then get two guys. And I'm sure he was in covenant with his two buddies because we know that that was culture. They were in covenant together. were committed to one another. When I can't lift my hands, somebody comes along beside me and he lifts my hand. And then he lifts my other hand. And in that process, I can just worship. And as I worship, even though I'm weary like this, people come around me to support me and lift up my arms like this. And as long as his hands were raised, there was victory, wasn't there? <sighs> so we need to watch. We need to watch for, for one another, you know, and see somebody and their hands are a bit down. Maybe, maybe their head's a little down. Hey, how can I lift up your hands? How can I, how can I come, come with you? And I want to lift up your hands. You might not feel right now like you're a man that's experiencing the covenant blessing, but I'll tell you what, because we're in covenant, I'm going to help you. And I'm going to lift your hands so you can worship into your breakthrough. You can remind God that, that, that you're under covenant with Him. And not only that, even when you don't feel like you can do it, i got someone that's with me because I'm a covenant guy, and He'll come along and He'll help me. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, so whose hands are you holding up? Whose hands is, are, are God calling you to, to just go and lift their hands? And So there was this, this is another step. They, they met in the middle. There's a mingling of the blood. What's mine is yours. They'd say a few more vows. Then this was really good. We didn't really get into this big time last week, but there was an exchange of names that would take place. So... It's just like this. We do this when we get married a lot of times. You know, Melanie was Melanie Berry. We got married, then she became Melanie Meyer. But she's still a Berry, but she's also a Meyer. You see? She didn't, she didn't get rid of, of her, her, her lineage. She didn't get rid of all that family connection. But she took on my name, because now the two shall become one. There's covenant. And, and the two shall become one. And even in this day and age, I mean, there's times when there's hyphenated names. Sometimes the, the girls, it's a hyphenated name. That's all good and everything else. But the point is, this was a covenant thing that was established long before people were walking in relationship with God like this. Abram is entered into this covenant. He understood this. He enters into the covenant. And then you see it there in, uh, let's, let's fast forward the, the, the pages, a few pages. And it says in chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And he said, look upon my faces and I will make you flawless. We've talked about that before. And I will make my covenant with you. And then he fell on his face and God said to him, behold, 
My covenant is with you, and you should be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name any longer be Abram, but Abraham. And so he was taking on the, the, the hay, the nature of God, the grace of God, the essence of God, and God was putting that into his name. So there was an exchange of names that took place. Wow! So stop identifying. If you want to walk in covenant blessing, you want to walk in, in the fullness of the dream and the destiny, you need to, you need to stop calling yourself what you're not because you've got a new name. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. See, as soon as, as, soon as I came to Christ, what happened was he abolished that sin. He, he took it, he removed it from me and he gave me a new name and he said, you're a saint. Paul talks about this over and over again. I've shared this story many times before. Some of you have probably heard it, but I had this Bible college prof in uh, Bible college in my first year. And um, he had a unique voice. And every time he'd come into class, and I always had his class first thing in the morning, and I wasn't really good with first thing in the morning classes in that day. <sighs> and I'd come into class, first day of there, come into class, and Dr. Richards walks in and he goes, how are the saints today? Good, good, good. How are the saints today? And he looked at us, and, and I, I thought, who is this guy? What turnip truck did he fall off of, you know? And, it, and he would just keep saying, so then, and then anytime he'd, anytime he'd talk to me or talk to anyone in the class, he would, he would address us as saints. And I'm like, this just seems really weird. Because I was, you know, it was that whole concept. Even a poverty mindset in regard to your righteousness and your sainthood, you know. Well, I'm just a lowly sinner saved by grace. Actually, when you came, that's who you were, but when you came to Christ, there was an exchange that took place, and now you're a saint. Come on! And so he'd come in, and every time, I'd, every time you'd see him, whether, whether it was just one person or a whole group of people, like I would see him in the hallway or whatever, and he'd walk up to me, and he goes, and how are the saints today? God, God, God. But at that moment, it was ingrained in me, you know. It was just really ingrained in me. And he was teaching us Romans, and he was doing, you know, Pauline epistles and stuff. And as he'd teach that, he'd always bring that out. It was a revelation that he got many, many years ago, and he imparted that revelation, even though it's taken years to unpack. It started way back then in 1991, you know, this, this revelation that I'm a saint, So there's this name exchange. Notice what happens here is when you enter into covenant, your identity is not based on where you came from. It's based on who you belong to. It's not based, it's not based on where I came from or what I did. It's based on who I belong to. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. All right. So now you see that God is in the middle of his name. And that's why I've, ta I've taught on this many times over. You've heard teaching on it, but what we when we talk about in Jesus' name, Jesus says, up until this time, you've never asked for anything in my name, but you will ask in my name, and it will be given to you, anything in my name. It was a position it wasn't a title, it was a position. And so covenant, your covenant, 
agreement that you have with God is a positional thing. I'm in his name. I'm in him and he's in me. That's covenant talk. I'm in him and he's in me. And then they did this. Then they had the covenant meal. So after this whole process, and it was a great meal. It was a celebration. It's interesting because then you see the whole story of Christ and what he's gone through for us. And there's a covenant meal. And um, in a couple weeks, we're going to receive that covenant meal corporately. We call it communion. And so in the covenant meal, there was a celebration and receiving. And I mean, God loves to eat. He's preparing a feast right now, actually. And uh, so there's this covenant meal. And then we have this covenant meal. So every time we receive communion, whether it's corporately or individually on your own at home, or it's corporately in a church setting like this, it's a covenant meal. It's a celebration of the agreement that we have with the other party. So when we receive communion, it's not like, you know, you know there's that whole thing where Paul says, you know, and you, man ought, ought to examine himself before he receives, lest, he, um, lest he, he puts judgment on himself, you know. And so every time that would happen, we'd receive communion. We would be, um, I'd be a kid and receiving communion in church, and the pastor would say that. So I'll just give you a few moments now to, to examine yourself and see if there's any junk in your life and you know that kind of thing and I remember thinking it was it was my it was my 60 seconds to make sure that I was worthy of receiving because I don't want to I don't want to drink damnation or eat damnation on my life I don't want that and it was such a fear-based thing but that's so not the heart of God what he's saying is he's saying examine yourself are you really standing in the true nature of who you really are Notice how Old, Old, Old Testament and, and um, Old Covenant, there was a lot of performance involved. But, um, you know, it, in fact, it says in John there, it says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the ungodly of their sin. And, and then it says, and he's speaking of believers, and convict the believers of their righteousness. Yeah. Holy Spirit's job in your life, it's not that he's there and he's always pointing out your flaws. Usually we do a good enough job ourselves pointing out our flaws. But he's, he's there to convict us. He's there to help us understand who we really are in Christ. He's going to convict us of our righteousness. So as we receive the covenant meal, it's that time where we want to we wanna step into and remind ourselves of who we really are. And, and you can. You can totally repent for things and you can repent for not standing the way you should stand, right? And it's like, Lord, forgive me for, for, for not taking you up on your part of the agreement. I, I've actually shrunk back. And Lord, I just enter in by faith right now. I thank you for that. Yeah. All right. You guys okay? So the old covenant was, was law and obligation, doing what's right in the, eye, in the eyes of God. It was really performance-based. It was, uh, I'll do this and he'll do that. Deuteronomy 28 is really, you know, goes through that whole thing. If you obey the word of the Lord, if you obey, if you're faithful to this, this will happen, that will happen, da 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 But if you're not, all this stuff's going to happen. All this bad stuff's going to happen. All the curses are going to come upon you. And it, it's really a reversal of all the blessings. There's that hinge piece of obedience, right? And there's all these blessings, all these curses that come upon us. But now there's this new covenant that comes along. We're not going get to a, get a chance to really get into it this morning. However, the new covenant comes along. Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, he said, 
he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. This is the new covenant. And I want you to drink it. Okay, stop for a second. The blessings of the old covenant were about obedience and doing and don'ting and doing and don'ting and doing and don'ting. And then the new covenant comes along and Jesus said, the only obligation is that you're a drinker. I used to have a problem with when I'd see people, you know, getting drunk in the spirit and that sort of thing. It really was like I was good at judging. Well, that's just the flesh. They're just doing that in the flesh. That's just... And I'd I'd have all these, you know, things and stuff. And I realized at one point then it was like I was was judging and I was watching. And I'm like, what I'm doing is I'm preferring the old covenant of performance (laughs) when, when the new covenant is... Just drink and receive and enjoy. I had a religious spirit. I did. Oh, I don't know about that. That's all. What was <laughs> the new covenant is a covenant to be enjoyed. It's a covenant to drink in and receive. I'll just close with this. Old covenant... Two parties come together and agree on terms. They go through that whole process. I'll do this, you'll do that. Good, we're good. And then Jesus came along. He said, I want to take it a step farther. God said, I want to take it a step farther where we, we, we fulfill the obligations of the law. And so Jesus comes along. I said this last week, but I'll say it again. As a son of man, completely representing man's side of the agreement, man's side of the covenant. And he also came as the son of God, completely fulfilling all the obligations of, of God's side of the covenant. And then he, he, he came together and his body was broken and his, his blood was spilled out and he made a way so that now by, we enter into this covenant not by obeying and doing all these things, Although that we, we do obey because we love to obey because it's a love thing. But it's not based on performance anymore. It's based on faith. And we just enter in by faith. And I, go, I come to the cross and I say, thank you, Jesus, for you fulfilled as a son of man all of my obligations to the covenant in God. And thank you, Jesus, as a son of God, you fulfilled all the obligations and the blessings to me. And now by faith, I just come into the middle of all this stuff. And and it's like the walk of blood, and I'm in the middle of it. And in the middle of it, there's that whole exchange of names and the robes and the weapons and the riches and all that good stuff. And I'm in him and he's in me. And it's as simple as drinking it in by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.